finally here. Welcome to Do It With Dan. Entrepreneurial philanthropist, public speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of Do It With Dan with your host. No, I'm not going to do that again. I tried to copy my little voiceover man um, on a podcast I recorded the other day. It was really embarrassing. Um, <laughs> he does a great job. I'm not going to do him a disservice. Please, please, please welcome my uh, my co-host for today. Not a guest, a co-host, Laura Martin-Taylor. Laura, I have a whole bio thing that's going to be in the whole show notes thing, but in a couple of sentences... What is one thing or one or two things that the people should know about you before they get to meet you digitally in the form of this podcast? Mm, a couple things to know. Um, I myself had a lot of trauma as a younger person and I found ways to heal that. Um, so that's part of what I'm proud of is that not only am I a professional, but I also am a professional who's done a lot of things with myself. And I take my own growth process and my continual evolvement very seriously. Brilliant. Brilliant. So you're a very serious person who does very serious things. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> In a fun I, way. I think, <laughs> sorry, go. In a fun way. Yeah, I, I, I think growing and learning and expanding, that's, that's what life is about. You know, loving and growing and expanding and um, supporting other people, that's my whole life mission, those things. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Well, for those of you who are meeting Laura for the first time ever in digital life, um, Laura's a dear friend. Um, we're both students of Dr. Joe Dispenza. That's how we actually met. However, it's Laura's work with relationships and the abundant viewpoint that she has on relationships that really inspired me not only to bring her to share some space with you here, but also to be one of the co-facilitators of the Beyond Abundance Mastermind. And so the magic that I really wanted to have this opportunity to share with you guys via Laura is that the relationships that we have, whether they're romantic, whether they're platonic, whether there are family relationships, our careers, relationships, and what have you, business relationships, that there can be a level of abundance in that, i.e., we can enjoy a beauty in those relationships that isn't tied to the idea of lack, doesn't have limitations, but just keeps growing and flowing. And to that end, Laura and I are going to be uh, having a series of conversations that we're going to share with you guys, starting with, Laura doesn't know what I'm going to pick for today. <laughs> the rules of relationship. Ah, I love that. Okay, so, so I'm going to be honest and say this is an ever-evolving list. Um, as I've you know worked with people for over 25 years and worked with a lot of couples and a lot of families, actually my rules have evolved out of that combined with my personal relationships um, right. with what I've learned. So for my rules of relationship right now, um, one of the, the number one rule that I have, which is a guideline, let's be honest, is <laughs> that adults don't tell other adults what to do. Ooh. So rule number one, don't other adults what to do. Yeah. I, I think that in, as a, that, that one of the things that I saw as a trend, um, just watching in my, especially in the people that came into my office, was that they would be telling each other what to do. I don't like it when you do this. I want you to do more of that. Mm -hmm. And I think their intentions, they were well-intentioned, mm -hmm. but it took the focus off where I believe the focus really belongs. Got you. Hmm. So 
but are people always aware of the fact that they're telling other people what to do? Because I get told all, all the time, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to live my life. And I don't think that I'm telling my beloved, lovely one what to do or how to live her life. I'm maybe making a suggestion or making a point or even just making a generalized statement. And sometimes it's received as <laughs> telling adults what to do. So Absolutely. Is, is there like a lens? Is there a lens? Like, is, it, is there a, let me put this another way. Is there something to be said for the lens in which what we say is received? I think it's both. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is when I'm talking to couples about it, and mm-hmm. that is the first thing I have them do is not tell each other what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they start to realize how much they do that. And, and your intention, Jan, Dan, I think they're like you. They're well-intentioned. They're not meaning to. They're just sharing their opinion, mm-hmm. or they think they might have a better way to do something, or they have some experience. But it, honestly, what it does is it creates power differential. Got it. Um, the person that's saying what they think the other person should do, which might be, hey, would you, you know, gosh, you know, when you talk so much when we're with so-and-so, gosh, it looks like they shut down or whatever. That Mm -hmm. well-intention feels like judgment. It Mm -hmm. shuts down um, energetic flow between the couple Mm -hmm. and it takes the focus off what is deeper. Got it. Wow. So telling others what to do can be a complete and utter accident, but that doesn't take away from the fact that we may very well be telling others what to do. Yeah. And I think when you bring your attention to that, asking oneself, I mean, it's a simple thing. Wow. Could this be construed as me telling another adult what to do? And I, this also applies in, this, in particular to adults who have adult children. So parents of adult children. I would say the same for younger children, but that's a whole other show. Um, cool. But with, with adults to their adult children, um, in those relationships, children are really sensitive to their parents' opinions and perspectives. Mm-hmm. So I, I think once you just start asking yourself, could this be construed as my opinion? I found that what I literally had to do for a while, Dan, was bite my tongue. Got you. I would bite my tongue to slow down what was coming out because mm-hmm. it again, was well-intentioned, but bite my tongue and ask myself, okay, is this going to be construed as my opinion and, and telling them what to do? And if, let me say it on the other side of it, if I feel like I have a really important thing to say, I'm going to ask that other adult three times if they mind if I share um, my perspective with them, even if it's about something little. I'll say, you know, I have a thought about something. How do you feel about you know, hearing my perspective. And in particular, I practice this with my adult daughters and they'll say, yeah, sure, sure, tell me. And then I- So just basically asking for permission. Yes, and I'll say it a second time and then a third time. And what happens in that interchange is they have a point. Sometimes someone will say, yeah, you know what? I thought about it, no, on the second time. They might say, no, I'm not really in a good place. I'm tired, whatever. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It's like, "Ah, second thoughts. Don't really want your opinion, mate. Thanks. <laughs> exactly. And, and maybe not at that time. Even sometimes the third asking, you know, by that point, if the people really want to hear it, they'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just bring it. Tell me. Mm-hmm. But if not, they may, you know, that gives them a chance to really see. And what that does is it opens a space between whoever I'm caring to have this really important communication with. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does make perfect sense. And even going back to like a conversation I had with a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, just a couple of days ago, and she was like, hey, Dan, um, I'm not sure where you're at right now, but uh, there's something I've observed with you. 
and out of love, I'd love to, to share it with you. Let me know when you're in a space where you can hear it. That's beautiful. Pow. But, but we've, we've really established that dynamic where, where we do have that, um, we, we'll, we'll tell each other the truth, but because we go quite deep with the truth, <laughs> yes. we make sure the other person's ready to hear that truth. So there's something to be said for that. And do you know what? I'm even tying this into the work that I do with Beyond Intention with, um, with disruption, where mm-hmm. we, we just basically take a moment. So there's something I call the, the, the disruption exercise. And the disruption exercise basically is you spend a period of time disrupting every single uh, impulse that you have, even if it's just to go to the restroom, disrupt it mm. by asking yourself, do I really want to use the restroom? If you're thirsty before just going off to go and get something to drink, ask yourself, am I truly thirsty? And you do that with all of your impulsive thoughts for like a, you start doing it for like an hour. And the aim is to be able to do that for a day. Um, not to, you know, to, to pee your pants or anything, but just <laughs> to step into a space of really owning your impulses and not allowing your mind or inviting your mind to see that you're you're at the party now like you're in the driver's seat yes. and you have a conscious role or a conscious contribution to make to the decision making process that's going on in your life so even applying that disruption mm-hmm. to conversations right when you're going into to, to have a conversation with any relationship type like you said whether it's uh, adult children or siblings you know, yep. um, my, my sister say something to me today that I didn't really care to hear, really, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, but, you know, regardless of what the nature of the relationship is, going in intentionally, setting that declaration within yourself that you are going to disrupt your impulse to, to share things. And in that space, take a moment to say, hey, I've got something I'd like to share. Are you in a space to hear it? Boom, boom, boom. And then set that common field for that yes. discussion to be had without someone receiving it as you telling them what to do, but as you're just having like a, a, a genuine two-way conversation. Yes. I think it's well worth the thoughtfulness. And I think what it does is it increases a sense of intimacy and safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think often people don't really aren't, it's about being present. I mean, let's be honest, it, it brings you into the moment. And the mm. person, you're inviting them into the moment also to check in with themselves. So getting present is such a yummy place to be. Yeah, I like it. I like yummy as well as a, descri- as a dis- description. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and it also allows for a no. You know, one of the things, one of my teachers, Mark Wolin, who does family constellation work said is, he said, if you can't have a firm no, a solid no, you also can't have a strong yes. Mm. Wow. If you can't have a firm no, then you also can't have a solid yes. Yeah. So you've got balance there, as, not balance, the law of polarity in action there. It's like there must be two, two, two halves to the whole. So in terms of the dynamic of relationship, there must be space to say yes as well as no. And yes. if, you're not, if you're denying one, then you're not allowing the other one to exist either because you're cutting off the, the polarity to that. Yes. And I think a lot of times people will just be even saying yes to not monitor, sort of not monitoring what's going on in their mind. And they just have this stuff that's coming out of their mouth that isn't, <laughs> doesn't have awareness wrapped around it. It's amazing to watch. And <laughs> I think this one question, you know, is, is this, am I, t- could I potentially be telling someone else what to do and be out of order in that way? You know, I think that's just, I think it's really a simple step 
can I tell you the other part about it that's magical that I really enjoy? You have freedom to share away. Awesome. So what happens inevitably when, you know, I give clients this number one rule of not telling each other what to do, it, they fall back on themselves. It brings them back to what, where am I, what's happening for me? And, and they notice how much they're distracted and focusing on what their partner's doing or not doing. Break that down for me a little bit. So, you know, if I'm busy looking at, for example, I mean, people, it's amazing the things that really are problematic for them. But if I'm really troubled with my um, partner, you know, the way that they put the dishes away in the dishwasher, I don't like it. It really doesn't seem like the dishes are going to get as clean. I can have this whole rigmarole in my head. Mm-hmm. What I'm missing, likely, is that there's something else that's not happening or happening that I'm not paying attention to. That's a distraction. So maybe I'm not feeling as connected to my partner as I want to be, or maybe I'm feeling like other things in my life are kind of out of sorts. And so I focus again and again on the loading of the dishwasher. Does that make sense? Ah, so you can get caught in this ridiculous loop almost. That keeps you out, almost keeps you in a space of disconnection. From your partner. From yourself, exactly. And your partner, both. But it starts with self. So really the, the core thing is that dis- but that disconnection from self disables you from um, having a solid connection to the partner. Yes. And what I often find is when people have these things, these loops, I call them, mm-hmm. um, patterns in their relationship of these things that they are constantly talking about that feel so important. When we stop talking about those, we go inside and are looking at then instead of what is the other person doing, what is it that I need? Hmm. But then when you know what you need, then you can communicate that effectively to your partner and then you can have the dynamic of, you know, needs being met in the relationship, right? Right. What do I need? What do I want? But really, like really underneath, like we take it different levels because what I might think I want or need is the dishes put in the dishwasher a certain way, hmm. but really not, not if the most important thing that we're talking about here is your relationship if if your relationship is you know having a connected um relationship that's loving is connected and has enough space for people to be individuals it's not usually what we think we're talking about sometimes couples are even in these loops to just be connected they get used to connecting in ways that aren't so helpful so that's like we call it a toxic relationship no yeah, and I think all relationships potentially can have toxic aspects. Got it. So not putting this whole toxic relationship label on it, just understanding that in a realm of balance, there may be toxic elements, but that doesn't have to define the relationship or be the lens through which you view it. Right, I think it doesn't. And I think the more that people pull the focus from what this other person is or isn't doing and what you really want or need, what you're desiring, it may have nothing to do with the other person. It may just be that you're, you know, you're hungry, you need to eat, or you need to call your girlfriend and go hang out with her because you haven't seen her in a while. I mean, it just, it's, it's such a great exercise of presenting within the relationship. Got it. Got it. Got it. Love that. Love that. Love that. What's a, what's another, another rule from the, the rule book? Well, okay. So a rule here, it doesn't sound like a rule, but yeah, (laughs) is, is, are you stuck on cycles of rinse, recycle and repeat? Um, So the, the rule would be to be monitoring yourself and 
with the cycles that I call of rinse, recycle, and repeat are cycles that you've had in your life and they can be a cycle in the moment or they can be a bigger life cycle that you're probably not conscious of. Hmm. You may or may not have made the connection that the rinse, recycle, and repeat, the one thing in common is you. <laughs> but that's common denominator theory, right? That's right. But often people have lose sight if they're focused externally. But when you come inside, it might be that, gosh, you know, it's not only my partner that tells me that I'm a little bit controlling around things around the house or that I'm difficult around that, but you know, gosh, my brother has told me the same thing <laughs> or I've had that feedback at work, right? Yeah. And, and this coming to oneself isn't about beating oneself up for realizing these. All of this needs to be met with love and compassion and a genuine desire to be kind and to think about this as an exercise of expanding oneself. Got it. So basically, not from a space of judgment, but from a space of self-love, just looking at where the patterns might be. And if there is a space where you're rinse, recycling and re repeating certain patterns, maybe uh, just to take a look at that and see where you can create some shifts out of that and allow that then to inform uh, you having a more loving and, and healthy relationship. Exactly. So I, what I suggest when we identify these kinds of things is, um, for example, let's say that um, someone finds that when their husband comes home or their partner comes home, <clears throat> they're often in the kitchen busy or doing something. And the partner feels there's this pattern that this, the person that's usually busy in the kitchen is heard, you know, I don't really feel seen by you or acknowledged by you. It may be as simple as in that situation, and this person has heard this from other people, when anyone comes in the front door, they mm -hmm. stop whatever they're doing mm -hmm. and walk over to the individual and simply say, hey, welcome home. It's great to see you. Got it. As opposed to staying in their mode of getting stuff done and worrying about the next whatever, they make the relationship the priority. And then they start to hear what, and, and it's interesting when you do it with your partner or just one person, it could be someone at work, your child, it doesn't matter. When you have this expansive experience of doing something out of your comfort zone, and I tell people, I expect you'll feel uncomfortable. You might mm -hmm. be thinking in your head, well, damn, I don't want to go to the door. I got to finish, you know, whatever I'm doing here so that I can get on to the next thing. <laughs> and you'll notice the resistance inside. It generally means, yep, you are caught in one of those loops. So take got a it. breath and expect to notice the resistance that you're going to feel inside to keep in that old loop, but step outside of it and have another experience. And what people find when they do that with simple things like that is that eventually we're able to do it with bigger and bigger things. Mm. Well, the thing is, is that discomfort like pain can be an indicator that inspires growth in the direction that we actually choose, right? Versus I, seeing yep. feared or looked down on or, you know, crapped on. It's like, well, if there's a level of discomfort, that means that there's this movement happening there. Now, yes. it can be a signal to see if that movement's in the direction that I want yes but there is movement happening and in fact if there is no discomfort at all then there is no growth happening yes and those tend to be loops we have a lot of things that we do 
without bringing awareness to them. You know, I mean, we drive our car, we don't have to think about it. But I remember when I was learning to drive my car, I had to think, especially because I had a stick shift and I had to put the clutch in and do the, you know, and, and it's the same with our lives. When we're not, when it's just super easy, some ease is really good and expansive. But mm -hmm. there are a lot of things that we do that are just comfortable, but they're not helpful. And that's mm -hmm. another, another piece of this that I ask my clients when they have a, a cycle that they can identify or something that they want to say, is it helpful? Is this going to be helpful? So a rinse, recycle, and repeat might be something that you do. Yeah, you go to the gym every day and that's, that's helpful. However, let's say your partner's homesick. You know, maybe on that day, you want to step out of that positive loop and, and stay at home and help your partner feel loved and cared for. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So we've got, um, don't tell grownups what to do. Yes. And we've got, be mindful of what you're rinse, recycling, repeating. Yes. What's next on our list of guidelines, AKA? <laughs> so another um, guideline, um, it's, this is a big one. Um, is relationships aren't supposed to meet your primary needs. You are. Ooh, say that one again for the people in the back. <laughs> I know this one gets people's hair up on the back of their necks. <laughs> <laughs> relationships are not supposed to meet your primary needs. You are. Hmm. Okay. And this is a big one to unravel. It's a big one. It's one of my favorites. Um, but I, I bring it up a little bit later with my clients because it is so big. Mm -hmm. um, so what I mean by that is it doesn't mean that you're not going to have, that you don't desire, that you shouldn't be able to expect communication with your partner and respect and love. But ultimately, ultimately, the best partnership is going to come from being deeply connected to yourself knowing your own soft spots, your blind spots, knowing the ache that you have inside and the fantasy that you go to that your partner will answer all of that. Hmm. Okay, so let's... <laughs> Let's unpack this a little bit. So uh, I saw, I saw, um, I think I saw um, a meme once, something along the lines of, um, we instinctively look in relationships for things that we're missing for in ourselves. Yes. So are we talking about bypassing that collective agreement of what people consider to be okay in relationships and saying, okay, rather than seeking that hole to be filled by something outside of yourself, fill it within yourself. Cause actually looking at it, I can see that that's actually setting yourself up for failure because we can never be filled by something outside of ourselves. There's always going to be a gap. <laughs> yes. And, and working with couples that have been married for many years, mm -hmm. always inevitably, I mean, it's so predictable. They'll come and they're talking, you know, initially about what their partner does or doesn't do. Right. Cause they don't know rule number one yet. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. They don't know that's not going to be happening in session number yeah. two. Um, mm -hmm. but, but they are, what they inevitably are annoyed with and are wanting to be different are the things that they were attracted to in the beginning. Ooh. Okay. It's so what we do when we find 
you know, our mate, the person that we think is going to be our mate. There's, I call it, you know, we have our vulnerable self. Some people call it the inner child. Mm -hmm. That part comes forward and takes over and is saying, is if we're not being completely present with ourselves and not really connected to ourselves. Oh, here it is. Here, here she is. They're going to, they're going to take away all my pain. It's going to be great. They're going to do all the things that I don't know how to do. They're going to see me like mommy or daddy didn't see me. All of this is going to be magically taken care of. It's kind of like a Disney movie going on inside. Got you. And in that, exactly what you said, we're looking for someone to fill these holes. Now, people have different personality styles and all those kinds of things. So, you know, it's such a, it, in some ways it's very simple, but it's also very complicated. But, you know, if you're a neat Nick and you find someone who's creative and they're really messy, let me tell you later, I'm going to be hearing about how horrible their messes are. And the person's lost sight of how creative this person is, that they really like the creativity. All they're noticing later on is the mess. But could it be that sometimes people never really wanted to be happy? They were setting themselves up. Oh, Dan, I think that that's, I think that that can also be a subconscious um, sort of story playing out. I, I think that it can be scary. It is very edgy to actually embrace abundance and love in your life. I, I think that can be overwhelming to aspects of ourselves. Yes. Because that was definitely, definitely, definitely on my Pooey list like without without a shadow of a doubt i'm one million percent confident that i've done that in the past like when i've done an audit after the after the fact it's like well that thing was there in the beginning <laughs> yes like, it, was there. it was there the whole time it was there the whole time and then um either or or there was like a, a back door that was sort of waiting to be utilized at a subconscious yes. um to exit so sometimes maybe you know, people are stepping into these, these relationships saying, oh, this is what I'm here for, you know, looking for this particular thing. And then that becomes, like you said, the thing that ends up <laughs> either being the route to, a, you know, a piece of or the thing that we don't want at the end of the day. But all in all, <laughs> all in all, we completely lose sight of the fact that I got a minute. This is why I loved them in the first place. This is why I stepped into this relationship. Yes. I think it's, you know, it depends on what level we're talking about this at, but I believe if we, and that's why I said others are not supposed to meet our needs. I think if we really are connected deeply to ourselves, then we're present with ourselves and we're not leading so much with our vulnerable self. It's okay to have the vulnerable self. The vulnerable self gets to say to the person themselves, hey, this is what I want. This looks great. I think this person's perfect. But the adult part engages in being present and says to that part, oh, honey, I've got you. This person does have these qualities and that, and it looks great, but we're not gonna rush anything you know, lean into me. I see you. I feel you. If they do or they don't, I'm yeah. going to assess that, but that's going to take time. Mm. Love it. Love, 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 love that. I really do. So getting back to that, let's just say that the primary need, I believe, is to feel connected and um, that we need to feel with ourselves. And I, what I find is where people aren't connected to themselves, they then project their fantasy 
on to mm -hmm. others, that they will take care of them. And it's really not their job. And it doesn't work out well. <laughs> Ever. Well, uh, I, I could imagine that being a, a decidedly non-working out situation in many cases. Yes. Decidedly, decidedly. Um, talk to me about another rule. We've got, we've got don't tell other grown-ups what to do. We've got um, beware of what you're uh, recycling, rinsing and repeating. And then third of all, we've got make yourself the primary, not um, the other person, not the relationship. So, and, and yeah, and let me just, I want to back up and say that that has been that piece, making myself my primary partner, mm -hmm. it, learning about that has made has been the, the, in my journey, probably one of the most amazing pieces to truly treasure myself mm -hmm. and to be an anchor for myself. Let me tell you, there are a lot of conversations that didn't have to happen with my beloved because I saw, whoa, this is a need I need to meet. It's not his job. Got it. So anyway, I just, I just need to say that because that one is, that's one that we could do a whole hour talking about. Okay, well maybe we'll put that on the, on the list. Great. I love it. I'd love yeah. to explore that more because there's a whole lot there. So then here's, a, here's another juicy one that people are going to hate me for. They, pe not, people do not like this one, but I love to share it because in my experience, it's what I found to be true. So mm -hmm. by default, you are biologically destined to, re to repeat the relationship patterns of your parents. Oh yeah, I see, I see that one. I don't like that one, but it's, it's true. Well, and it's true so long. I mean, we're going to have the biological pull, just like, you know, birds fly south at a certain time. We've been imprinted very early on. I mean, in utero, we had imprints. We received imprints. Um, the first nine months of life, the first five years of life, we were being imprinted unconsciously in our bodies to see things in a particular way. And these patterns tend to repeat. Now, when I hear people say, well, you know, I don't ever want to be like my father. Well, I say, huh, well, your father's, <laughs> you know, you're here and you're in my office and you must, there must've been enough love that you got that you're exploring and wanting more in your life. So let's look at the things that you don't like about what your father has done or does mm -hmm. and what you can embrace that you do like. Yeah. But again, it takes it, all of this requires being present. Mm -hmm. So I noticed, you know, for example, in, in my own life, um, my mom was an amazing, beautiful soul who was always working on growing, expanding herself. And I learned that from her. She also, after the divorce with my dad, spent all the money. I embrace that part of her that's growing and expansive and it's exploring and wants to be connected and loving. I've really watched myself with my finances because mm -hmm. I knew that if I went unconscious, oh boy, there's all kinds of stuff I could do with my money. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's been a very conscious choice to not do that and to be very careful about that because I don't want that part of who my mom was to play out. I also, my mom had a marriage and never got married again. And I decided I watched that. I want to have a beloved in my life. I want to have hope for love again. And I've explored that. I've never shut that down. Um, so we can pick, but I think we also need to be careful uh, that we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater because oh, yeah. then you're not conscious or aware of it at all. And 
there are lots of pieces from both genders of our parents, you know, the, our mothers and our fathers that we can embrace, explore, expand upon. And then, but then we got to really watch the negative ones because those are the ones that tend to go unconscious. They tend to go underground. So let me think of an example. I had a client, um, oh, a person in my life that I knew <clears throat> who had a dad that just was not present. He was very close with his mother and his dad was just checked out just a checked out guy. Didn't feel like he could talk to him. He was pretty self-absorbed. Well, the interesting thing is this happened to be a man I was dating for a period of time. He moved away from the city where his kids lived and came to live with me, hmm. which was like an hour and a half away, mm -hmm. two hours away, and would spend his time with me even when he wasn't working. Um, he was unemployed at the time in between positions and stayed with me while his kids went to daycare. And I just thought that was really interesting. And he had an alcohol problem. I figured out it took a little while to see because when I came home and he was drunk, I saw that. But the point is, is that as I watched him, I saw, oh my goodness, he's repeating the pattern of his father. He, he says he loves his kids and he's great when he's with his kids, but he's very distant from his kids. Mm -hmm. Come to find out years later, he moved even further away from his children. Wow. And he didn't have to. There are opportunities in this city. He's a nurse. So um, just really interesting. And, he, and we couldn't talk about it. He wasn't the kind of partner that I could have tried three times. Do you think, would you be open to talking about something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, that was, that, there was shut down there pretty quickly for him, which is why I, I ended the relationship. But, but it, it, you know, it's just fascinating how we do these things. And, and if we don't, present and stay connected to ourselves we miss some pretty obvious things i mean one thing i love is that you you've not you've not created space here for people to um to fall into either a pity party or to surrender dominion uh, and sovereignty and, and agency in the choices that they make all that's being all that we're really saying is that there is a there's a there's a predisp predisposition that we may be invited to step into yes the dynamic of our parents but it doesn't have to be what we play out. It's just a choice available to us that may have easier flow into, but we do have the choice to create something else. And we, we, are, we are responsible for having a level of um, awareness around where we're at and the choices that we're making so that we can choose which of those patterns, because not all of the patterns that we learn from our parents are going to be disempowering. Some of them may be beautiful, right? Yes. Choosing which ones serve and which ones don't. Yes. And staying mindful that the ones that aren't helpful might actually feel easier to fall into. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that, I feel that. So we've got, so far we've got, um, oh, from the top, wait, wait, wait. Don't tell other grown-ups what to do. I'm, 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 I'm doing this so I can remember myself. We <laughs> might love what you're rinse, repeating and recycling. Um, do not allow your relationship to meet your primary needs, um, meet your own primary needs. And then be mindful of the patterns that we have witnessed in our parents or that we've had from our parents and, and basically choose which ones we want for ourselves rather than just falling into them unconsciously. Yes. And be curious about it. Let me say it, put it that way. You yeah. know, um, be, wonder. Just, again, it's a good question to ask. How might I be repeating the pattern differently? Mm. How can I switch it up and change the game? Yeah. And again, it's going to be uncomfortable to look at sometimes. I didn't like it when I saw when my kids were younger that I was yelling at my kids like my dad had. Mm. And when I was able to really see it, it shifted. You could ask my daughters. I don't, 
I don't get mad. I don't yell virtually mm -hmm. at all ever. I just don't even, it's not even in my repertoire of tools I use with people I love. I just don't need to. I, I found other ways to be, but I had to identify, look at something that was really painful for me to see that I was duplicating. It was a hard, hard thing to look at. I've got another one to throw on that, that little mix as well. Is that um, don't allow this to start becoming a space for judgment of your parents either. Because yes. I, I spent a lot of time um, running away from a particular pattern of behavior I witnessed in my parents' relationship. And actually I realized that it was actually damaging my ability to connect with my dad. Mm -hmm. Because I was, I was having this whole thing of judgment and I was putting all this pressure on myself not to show up a certain way. And it actually was, A, not allowing me to be fully present in relationship because I was so obsessed with not behaving in a particular way. And also I was sort of blaming you know, I was because of dad and blah, 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 but no, I still got choice. Right. So yes. um, not allowing the patterns that you witness to become an excuse for you to treat people a certain way or to not be present in your relationship. Yes. I mean, I think again, the overarching theme of this for me would be exactly what you're saying that we're, we want to, ex <laughs> while we want to expand and mm -hmm. become more by being present and conscious, we don't, we want to accept what is mm. and, and take what we can. You know, that's another piece that I learned in my family constellation work. Um, it said, Bert Hellinger, who's the father of that, who just died recently, actually, he said that if you can get drips, mere drips from the faucet of your parents' love, if you can accept love the way that they give it, that's enough to be sustaining. But when people crank away from it and turn off the, the love drips and don't take anything, they're not, yeah, there's just a lot of fallout from that. You know, parents are imperfect people. Let's just give them that. It's an imperfect art. And I think what we want to look for is what was beautiful, how did they love us, and what can we learn from their mistakes? I think it's a fair question, but not to be held against anybody. None of this is about being mean, judgmental, harsh, alienating. It's all about opening and, and opening to what is mm -hmm. and finding our way in that that feels better, if that makes sense. No, that does make perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. In fact, I, I was going to ask you for one more, but I think that feels really a really neat place to to round off today and maybe we'll leave the, leave the, the kids salivating for our next, uh, next run around uh, the, the abundant relationships discussion. Uh, have you got anything else you'd like to add at this point just to round off and then we can, we'll get people ready for the, for the next episode. Yeah, good. Cause I've got some more juicy ones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how's that? Yeah. I just think, I think I want to reiterate that, we tend to have really big critics inside that often um, the original intention was to steer us correctly. We internalize these parts that want to beat us up for making mistakes. And I can tell you that I don't even have that part inside anymore. I just have this part that says, oops, wow. Okay, let me start over. I made a mistake. Um, I want people to really internalize and move toward this deep self-love and compassion that we're on a journey. It's a process. And why not have it be a process that's lighter, that feels good, and that comes from love and expansion, not old messages of contraction. 
love it expansion all the way expansion all the blinking way <laughs> love it you are a goddess absolutely uh, enamored by what we've uh, we've gleaned from you today looking forward to sharing more over the course of our series of episodes and also for you supporting us with the uh, beyond intention mastermind so uh, beyond intention beyond abundance <laughs> mastermind for those of you who'd like some information on that head over to dream with dan forward slash b a m bam <laughs> 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 to dream with dead.com <laughs> um, oh gosh yeah uh, find out more about the mastermind how you can join us and bring abundance into all levels of your life to your finances to your relationships and to your health we're going to be taking through a three-month journey where you will level up every single one of those areas hmm. magic 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 laura how can people connect with you get more of your magic and uh and, and, and more, more of your just magical wisdom. What, what should they do to connect with you? Oh, that's, that's a great question. I have such a lame um, website. I, I'm hesitant to have people <laughs> go to that. <laughs> but, Through the website, you know, guys, you've heard the magic of, of, of Laura. Go to the website, ignore the lameness of it that she claims, and go and connect. If you're in a relationship, if you want to get into a relationship, if you're moving out of a relationship, this is the one you need to talk to. Yeah, I'd actually have you go to my Facebook, um, which is Laura M. Taylor Counselor. Um, you'll see, um, I'm trying to remember what my, what's on there. I, I'm there all the time. I'm going to pop it in the show notes so people can just check in the show notes, guys. We're going to pop the link in there for you to, to hop in and, and connect with Laura. Yeah, and, and the MFT one, not the personal one. I mean, they can go there as well, but. Um, no worries. No, no worries. Yeah. Um, uh, guys, thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends about it, and be sure to keep an eye out for the next time I've got Laura on the show. Go ahead and connect with her. The link is in the show notes. Go to the Facebook page. <laughs> she has more magic to share with us. I'm looking forward to bringing it to the fore. Until next time, keep dreaming with your eyes open and keep deliberately choosing an abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life. Thanks, Dan. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Duo with Dan with your host, Daniel Magana. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.dreamwithdan.com for updates for more exclusive content. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan.